Hello. Welcome to the 300th episode of My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins, and I want to begin by thanking you for joining me each week on this six-year journey. It's been an amazing ride. As you're listening to this, I'm in Canada, meeting pilgrims from Toronto, Ottawa, Hamilton, and London. What a blessing. My show at the Grand Theatre in London still has tickets available. It's this Thursday night, October 27. I'll be on stage for two hours singing songs and telling stories. And Tickets are available at grandtheatre.com. Then next Wednesday night, November the 2nd, I'm at the Casbah in Hamilton from 5.45. That show is Donativo. And the following night, Thursday, November 3rd, I'm at the Pilot in Toronto. It's not a ticketed event. I can't wait to meet you all. I've made friends from all around the world. I've travelled the world. I've interviewed pilgrims from India, Philippines, Malaysia, Spain, Ireland, Scotland, England, Canada, the US, Brazil, Argentina, Portugal, Wales, Australia, New Zealand, France, Germany, the Netherlands, and I can't wait to continue to spread the podcast net even wider. The podcast has been such a gift to me. It arrived in my life suddenly, as regular listeners would know. I tell my story in episodes past. But I still live and breathe it every day in the interactions I have with other people. Just this week, an old friend asked me to explain the appeal. About 45 minutes later, he said, Wow, I guess I'll have to do it. And I think he will. So if you're new to the podcast, welcome. This is a weekly broadcast about El Camino de Santiago, or the Way of St. James. James was one of Jesus Christ's apostles, who found himself in Spain in the wake of Christ's death. He returned to the Holy Land and was martyred, his followers taking his body back to Spain, where he was entombed in a field. His body was discovered by a shepherd some 800 years later, and the Spanish built a majestic cathedral to house his remains and built a city in his name, Santiago de Compostela, or St. James, under a field of stars. Pilgrims walked the many and varied Caminos to visit James's crypt beneath the cathedral. They attend the Pilgrim's Mass, and if you're lucky, you'll get to see the swinging of the Botafumiro, a huge silver and gold thurible swung from the cathedral ceiling. I said just a few months ago the pulley system upon which those ropes glide and swing was installed in 1604. It's incredible to think about it. The Botafumiro is a Galician word for smoke expeller, and the thurible smokes as it swings the length and breadth of the vast nave and transept. It's one of life's great adventures, the Camino. And seeing the Bortofamuro swing is the perfect way to finish. This podcast is a forum where we discuss the ins and outs of pilgrimage, where we try to shine a light on shadow in our lives. I've mentioned in the past that the Spanish have a saying, soli sombra, sun and shade. You can't have sun without shade or shade without sun. Cherish them both. And I think that's been the one lesson I've learned in 300 episodes. Try to make the most of the good and the bad. Try to lead a life that provides some brightness in what can, at times, be a darkness of life. Those challenges we all face, the difficult days, the long restless nights, the piecing together of memories you wish you didn't have to search for. The passing years have made them harder to reach, but you know they are there. Let's try to share some of those memories today. 300 episodes. What a blessing it is. I can't believe it. 
But I've decided this week to tell you the story of my Camino, or more correctly, our Camino. I walked from Via Franca del Biezo to Santiago de Compostela last month with my wife Jennifer and my sons Lewis and Riley and our dear friend and two-time podcast guest Claudette Clausen. It was magic, pure magic. So in this episode, I'll bring you our story, our experience, our Camino. We flew from Sydney to Madrid via Abu Dhabi, so that takes about 26 hours all up. We arrived in Madrid early Saturday morning and checked into our room at The Hat, which is a hostel in the heart of the old city. We booked the room for the night before, so we could check in first thing in the morning and have a shower and a sleep if we wanted to, rather than having to sit around Madrid all day waiting to check in. But in fairness, most hostels and hotels will let you drop your bags off so you can spend the day sightseeing and that night it was tapas in the old town and I have friends in Madrid who pointed me in the right direction and it was absolutely amazing. I've said it here before there's an old saying I don't mind dying Lord if I get to heaven just give me a small window to look back on Madrid. I love the city I've been there eight times now I adore it and we were up early the next day we took the fast train from Madrid to Leon arriving just after lunchtime, and checked into the Hostel Leon in the main street. It's only a few blocks from the cathedral. We slept and washed up and got all our gear in order to start walking the following day, and then spent the evening at the cafes by the Roman ruins that are tucked in behind the Gaudi building. It was cheap, cheerful, and perfect for a good night's sleep. Then we were booked on the bus from Leon to Via Franca del Biezo first thing the very next morning, and the short walk to the bus station takes about 10 minutes. We boarded just in time, a very grumpy bus driver, (laughs) and sat back to enjoy the slow tourism of the bus ride, most of which was along Camino routes. And we saw countless pilgrims wandering from Leon to St. Michael del Camino, to Astoria, to Mancia de las Mulas. They were everywhere. We were all shook up when the driver walked to the back of the bus in Ponferrada and booted us off the bus. <laughs> we didn't realize that we had to change buses. There was no English spoken that morning on the bus at all. Just us pilgrims desperate to get to our destination to start our walk. But a short time later, we arrived in Via Franca del Biezo and we were ready to start our Camino. And then you think about it, it took us about three days to get from Sydney to the start of our Camino. I have a friend in Via Franca. If you ever get the chance, Perez Caramez is a wine company with a cellar door in Cal Aqua called El Toro. It's well worth a visit. So El Toro in Via Franca del Biezo. I can't recommend it highly enough, actually. The cellar door opens quite late, but you can get in and have a beautiful glass of wine or a nice cold beer in one of the most picturesque bars you're ever going to go to anywhere in the world, let alone in Spain. So we had a lunch in the town square in Via Franca and then ventured out of town on our way to Trabadello and Casa Susi. We had only just passed the bridge on the edge of town when my sons decided, hey dad, we'll take the mountain route via Predella. So we hadn't even walked one mile before the boys headed off on their own journey. 
My wife Jen wasn't feeling well. She'd picked up a bug in Madrid and had a heavy cold. And it was actually very, very hot that afternoon. So we took it easy and walked in the very hot afternoon sun. Now, it's only about a two-hour walk, but it felt a lot, lot longer. Day one was a reminder, actually, to walk early. So we were walking at about 2.30 in the afternoon. And walking into Trabadello, I was beside myself with excitement because I was finally going to get to stay at Casa Susie. And I've interviewed Susie and Furamin a few times on the podcast. Susie is a British national who lived in Australia for many years, walked the Camino eight times looking for the perfect place to set up an albergue and settled in Trabadello. Furamin was guest number 32 and he's still there. They run a 12-bed albergue right on the Camino Frances. It's about 18 kilometres from O Sobrero, so it's a good place to spend the night before the big climb up the mountain the next day. It was a magic night at Susie's. We sang songs, told stories, and met pilgrims from all around the world. It was the night we met Tracy and Sean from Suffolk in the UK. Such delight to meet them. We also met Jim and Shelley from Albuquerque in the United States. So as the Trabadello afternoon wound on, my sons and I wandered down to the garden to sit in the pagoda to have a beer, and we met Lois and Dave from Michigan. Lovely people, and we all chatted as the sun started to go down. We gathered around the dinner table that night and enjoyed the most wonderful pilgrim meal. can't recommend Casa Susie highly enough. Well, as I said, Jen was not feeling well, so we decided it would be best if she had a day of rest. Now, you don't get any prizes for walking with illness, and in my view, you're better off having a day off so you get to enjoy the rest of the trip. And I mentioned that Susie's is the perfect place to prepare to climb the mountain the next day. Well, I've climbed that mountain twice at previous Caminos and didn't feel like climbing it again. So, having walked past them on two separate occasions, we took the horses. Yep, we walked the 12 k's from Trabadello to Las Herrerias and took four horses to the top of the mountain. Victor, who owns and runs the horse business, was so helpful and gentle and reassuring, and I had ridden horses before, but my boys hadn't, and I don't think Claude had spent much time on a horse, but we climbed aboard and the four beautiful, graceful and peaceful horses took us to the top of O Sobrero. Now, I thought that they'd take the road, but they didn't. They climbed the same unstable and steep trail that the pilgrims take. It took exactly two hours. And while we might have had a sore rump, it was better than the climb I'd done twice before. A light lunch and Claudette revealed a nasty blister. She was walking no further. And as the boys and I headed off for Tree Costella, a 22-kilometre walk, Lewis began fading with what looked like the same bug as his mother. So we put him in a taxi, and it was left to me and my youngest son, Riley, to walk the four and a half hours from Osobrero to Tree Costella. Now, those last nine kilometres are downhill, all downhill, and they were absolutely killer. And as Riley said, grim dad (laughs) let's bring him in riley mullins welcome pilgrim do you remember that day 40 plus k's in a day including the horses 
What did you make of it? How could I forget that day? It was one of, honestly, the best and worst days of the whole Camino. Um, I remember walking down uh, to the horses. You were telling me the whole time before, oh, this huge hill, we're going to get these horses. I'm like, okay, Dad, okay, Dad, we'll get some horses. I remember walking, and I forget what the little town was called, just before the hill starts, and I saw the horses. And I was like, he was actually being serious. Then we get on them, and then we walk right him up the mountain. It, it was my first time on a horse, so I was scared for my life half the time. Some of the parts of the mountain were so steep, I don't know how people were even walking up on it, let alone horses. Did you enjoy the horses? I did enjoy the horses. It was definitely an experience. I would do it again. I was... Like I said before, scared, but with Lewis, you and Cordette, it was an incredible experience. Tell us about walking through sleepy little Spanish villages. Walking through those little Spanish villages was incredible. I had spent a week in Madrid and had been in Leon and all these places, and to walk through these little villages in the Spanish countryside was incredible, just seeing people live their day-to-day life walking past saying hi as you walk past and that's their life just living out in the countryside I must say I'm quite jealous and what about the people you meet one of the best parts of the Camino was actually the people um one of the first nights on the Camino we stayed at Casa Susie's and it was a pretty long day for me after we've been traveling the whole time I felt a bit ill and then me and mom, Lewis walked over the mountain and we got to Casa Susie. I was so tired. I'm like, oh, I've got, I've got two weeks of this. I can't believe this. And then we met all these people and shared stories and spoke and laughed, cried, sang over dinner, drinking. It was, it was incredible to me and it really showed me what the Camino can offer. And I, I almost felt at home with these people, even though I'd only met them two hours prior and it was it was really incredible what surprised you Riley about the Camino what surprised me most about the Camino were the people it was so weird to me that we all connected so easily and I would sit at a cafe and speak to people and there were people from all around the world and we had nothing in common except for the Camino and the walk which I found so incredible and I loved every minute of it, just meeting new people, hearing their stories, sharing my story. It just surprised me how I was able to click with people so easily. What did you find most fascinating? What I found most fascinating was how quickly my body got used to the walk. I'm not much of a walker. I didn't really practice much before I left. I thought I was a bit up myself and thought, oh, I'll be fine walking 20Ks a day. And it was about on the first and First or third day, I was really going through it. It was really tough. It, 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 my body was aching. Everything hurt. I didn't want to walk the next day. I was like, ah, oh, this kills. But then as I kept walking, I, my body just became used to it. And it, was, it didn't take that long. And it became less of a walk then, but then more of an experience where I was just in my own space, in my own world, just walking through these towns, these great landscapes, all these meeting these people. It just, it just fascinated me how it, how it became less of a walk and just more of a journey. Now, the big question, would you do the Camino again? I would a thousand percent do it again. I, I 
I told everyone as soon as I came back to Australia how sad I was that I left it. It was so incredible. I loved it so much. Would you change anything, Riley? Would I change anything? Honestly, no. It was it was such a great experience for me. I I I wouldn't have wanted anything to change on that whole trip. It was it was just incredible. I would not want anything to change because it wouldn't have been the same. Would you recommend the Camino to other 19-year-olds? This is a tough question. Um, I would recommend it to every 19-year-old I see, but it's more of a fact as if I'd be able to convince them. It's telling my friends, oh, I'm about to go on a three-week adventure to Spain to walk 20Ks a day. For them, that just seems like, nah, I don't want to do that. I'd rather go to London or Italy and party. But if if they knew what they would get out of and and what it was actually about and understood the Camino, like I did prior to going, then I'd be able to convince them in a heartbeat. And did you find yourself saying see to people instead of yes when you came home? (laughs) Not so much when I came home, but it was funny when I was in Abu Dhabi and people would come serve me. I would keep saying see to them and my brother would be the one who would kick me on the on the shin and say, hey, you, you got to stop saying that. you got to remember where you are. I'm like, ah, oh, it's just second nature now. And now you're a pilgrim. Yes, now I am a pilgrim and it's honestly a pleasure to say I am. Thanks for taking time to talk to your dad, son. Buen Camino. Buen Camino, dad. Tree Castella has never really been my favourite town. I usually walk on to Samos, but it was a good meal in a clean albergue at Albergue Jacobeo in the heart of town. An easier day the next day, walking to Saria, we stayed at the Benedictine Monastery at the top of the hill. It was tidy, noisy, cheap, and we had a great meal in the street leading up the hill. And that evening, sang somewhere along the way in the bar that night. It was fantastic. Up early for a cooler walk, and bingo. My ankle had swollen up like a football. It was too much downhill walking. Now... I know exactly what to do. It's the same injury I suffered in 2017. So it's ice, lots of ice, then a heat pack, and keep the ankle up above hip level. So you sit with the ankle on a chair, right up high, and then ice and heat, and take that Spanish ibuprofen to reduce the inflammation, and it's right to go the next day. You just have to take your weight off it. I ended up taking a taxi from Soria to Puerto Marin, But the rest of our crew enjoyed the walk. It was a beautiful, sunny Spanish autumn day. And I was waiting in the town square when they arrived. So we stayed at an Airbnb for only the second time in more than 65 days of walking the Camino. And it was really lovely. It was nice to be able to do your washing and take a shower and just relax. I even had an afternoon sleep. That's something I really, really do. But I have to concede I have a secret love. And it's watching American shows or even Australian shows on the television with Spanish overdubs. (laughs) Because you know exactly what's going on, right? So I watched Tootsie. (laughs) And I knew exactly what was going on. It's overdubbed in Spanish, but I'd watched the whole movie with Dustin Hoffman and Bill Murray and everyone. I I loved it. It was great. And and then the next day I watched Knight Rider. (laughs) Because you know exactly what's going on. You don't need the... Well, you can put the subtitles on, but it's like 
subtitles of anyway it doesn't matter you get the drift it's a lot of fun and so is Port Tamara and pilgrims cross the bridge and climb the stairs into town and the locals actually relocated the entire town from the bottom of the valley to the top of the hill and the water level in the dam is so low at the moment you can see the ruins of the old town Spain is in drought at the moment and it's clear to see no more better example of it than Port Amaran. The municipal albergue was full that night, evidence that the Camino, in particular, once you pass Saria, is still very, very busy. It was busy. We walked the last two weeks of September. From Port Amaran, it was a beautiful walk to Palace del Rey. We stayed at La Cabana on the outskirts of town. It was clean and peaceful. But if I had one complaint, not necessarily a complaint, but one thing that made it a little bit difficult was the kitchen burned down sometime before we got there and we had to walk to town to have dinner. It was only about a 15-minute walk, but after a long day, well, I would have preferred to stay in town in hindsight. We had dinner at the Pulperia uh, Noza Terra. I've been there four times before. It's excellent. It's right opposite the town square. If you're looking for somewhere to eat, it's outstanding, but you do have to wait for a table. It's always very, very busy because the food is so good. But there's nothing quite like the slow tourism of walking. But just getting in the rhythm of the Camino takes time. But it's so worth the wait, the opportunity to disconnect with the outside world while connecting with the inner you. My son Lewis walked with me the next day. We were on our way to Melide for a pulpo. Let's bring him in. Welcome, Lewis Pilgrim. What stands out when you cast your mind back to the Camino? What what stands out most now is the simplicity. Um, there, there was a clear goal each day, and with that clear goal, the fog and the noise of urban life that is always there with me, it, it sort of went away. I didn't have to sit and ponder sort of what am I doing today? What do I need to achieve? Like, what am I doing with my life? How is this going to affect my future? No, it's I knew what I had to do. I had to walk, and I knew where I had to walk. I knew how to do that. That is so refreshing, and it's a really wonderful break from the constant existentialism of work and and school and life in the city. Did you enjoy the walking? I adored the walking, but I I, I was really struck by how different it was to walking back home. I'm a mad walker at home. I love walking. But most of my preparation was very urban. It was in the inner city of Sydney, maybe a little bit of the suburbs. And what you really don't get a grasp of when you're walking in those urban environments is how quiet and how meditative it can be to walk in nature and to listen. You know, at home I'd listen to music when I walk, but on the Camino I would just be me. And um, even that silence sometimes was quite confronting. So yeah, I did enjoy the walking, but it was different. It was very different. Did you do the Camino easily? The physical demands of it weren't so intense. The walk is very doable. And I walk a lot back home, as I said, but the the mental challenge of going, right, this is how far I have to walk and I have to do that with no other stimulation, no music, no people around sometimes, no shop fronts to look at, no 7-Elevens to stop and get a Powerade, you know, it was, that's where the challenge came for me. So no, I don't know. I don't think I did do it easily. I think that there was challenge there. What did you make of the Spanish culture? I think I saw like two sides of the Spanish culture, um, the culture of the pilgrims. I guess that's not the Spanish culture, it's sort of the Camino culture, but I really enjoyed that. It was so reflective and, and so focused on community. I really liked that. I spent a week in Madrid with my brother before we went on the trail and, uh, well, staying up late and 
drinking, dancing, clubbing, general tomfoolery. Uh, it's safe to say as a 20-something young Australian fellow, I was, I was pretty fond of that culture, yeah. What did your friends, Lewis, make of you going on pilgrimage with your dad? I think um, they had more stake in it than, than you'd think, Dad. Obviously, they've been around our house and they've been to your gigs and heard about you speaking about the Camino. They remember when you went. So they've, they're all quite familiar with it. And I think that me and my friends, we're at a time in our lives where we're all sort of just leaving home or, or, or going out into the workforce or detaching from our parents in a way that we never have before. And also in that, we get the opportunity to realise how much our parents mean to us. When you're younger, like in your teens especially, you go, oh God, you know, can't wait to get out of here, get away from these people, you know. But at 20-something, once you do sort of leave, you, you go, oh, yeah, I'd really love to have a dinner like I did any other night back then. I'd love to just say hello to dad or mum or, or, or whatever and just have that family around. So I think they really respected and were really happy for me to, to spend that time with my family. And they also... As I said, they know about the Camino, and so they all go, oh, Fenta, you know, you're finally going. You had to sit out part of the walk I mentioned it earlier. You weren't feeling well. Did you feel you'd missed out? Yeah, I caught a bug. We had a bug going through the group. It, it was pretty rough. Luckily, it only knocked sort of each of us out for a day or so at a time. We walked, I think, 12 Ks, and then we hopped on the horses on the way up to Osobrero. And as I was on the back of the horse, it was a good two hours or so, I sort of slowly started to, oh, oh, man, I don't feel so good. And so once we'd got to Osobrero, we then had to walk, uh, I think it was another 15 k's or so, to Tricastella, and maybe even more. And as I started walking, I, I was ill, and I, I was very ill, and, and I shouldn't have been walking. It was disappointing at the time, um, but once I'd rested, once I'd come good, I sort of realized the, the importance of, of rest and why sometimes we need to recognise that maybe this is our limit. How difficult was it to accept that sitting out that part of the Camino was the right decision? I mean, it was, it was very difficult when I was sitting on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere for an hour and a half waiting for the taxi, crook as, I was so sick. But once I'd got some rest, once I'd, I'd got to Tricastella, I realised, yeah, no, I, I really needed it. I really needed that. Would you do it again? I would do the Camino again, yes, 100%. But I'd, I'd love to go solo next time. That's not to say I didn't enjoy, enjoy it with the family, with, with uh, the group we had, but I just know it's a different experience. And I'm so thrilled that I got to have the experience and share it with my family and with people that I love. But I think as well I would experience the Camino in a very different way if I were to do it solo. Did you enjoy meeting people from all around the world, Lou? The people were remarkable. The people were remarkable, truly the most impactful thing for me. It was such a range of attitudes, experiences, background. And during something like the Camino, you're in such a hyper-reflective and, and aware state. You, just, you, you suck up other people's experiences and, and opinions and cultures like a sponge. And it's, it's funny, even though I went all the way to Santiago, you know, and one of the people I met was Garth, who just so happens to live less than a minute from my apartment. So <laughs> you're never going to escape people from your home. You'll never truly escape home. What would you do differently? I, I would journal. This is something I regret. I, I'd love to have written through from the beginning. Um, I saw people doing that, and I, I should have done that. I think that would really help me now to have a reference of the lessons I learned and the epiphanies I had. Uh, that'd be a big help. 
now that I'm home, it's, it's difficult to re-enter the state of mind I was in when I was on the Camino. What did you find most rewarding? The most rewarding part for me was the slow tourism aspect of it. Traveling today can be so hectic. Flights, accommodations, trains, buses, tickets, and my late, my luggage. Blah, blah. But walking just feels so purposeful and fulfilling as a mode of transportation in comparison to all that. You know, it made the act of traveling itself feel more a part of the, of the going away experience, of the traveling experience, and not a hurdle to overcome in an effort to reach the holiday. The travel, the mode of transportation was the holiday. It was really satisfying in that way. Thanks, Lou. It was an honor to walk with you, Buen Camino, son. Thank you, Dad. Buen Camino. So, we arrived in Melide and checked into the small albergue San Anton. We had the pulpo that night of Pulperia Ezequiel and retired to a favorite little pub of mine where we sat with the locals and watched Spain play Switzerland in a friendly soccer match. Spanish culture is dripping from Melide. I love it. I could spend much more than 24 hours there. But the next day was the magical walk to Arzua. I can't help thinking it's a leg that is beautiful, yet for me, it reminds me of my first two Caminos. It was here I began to think it will be over soon. Spain is a long way from Australia. It takes a long time to get there and a long time to get home. So being there for only two weeks simply feels like it's not long enough. I often ask my guests if they would change anything. Well, I would. (laughs) I'd go for longer. But we didn't have the luxury of taking any more time off. So it was two weeks. And one of the joys was having the opportunity to walk with my friend Claudette Clausen. Her energy is pure love, pure fun. You can find Claudette in episode 163 from March 10, 2020. It was an honour and a privilege to walk with her. To give you some idea of Claudette and her pure class, when I asked her to talk to me this week about our shared Camino, she said, no darling, it must be all about you and your family. Pure class. Blessings to you, Claudette. Thank you for sharing our Camino with us. It was just a magically heavenly journey. Buen Camino. So leaving Arzua, we knew our Camino was drawing to a close. I really love the walk through to O Pedroso. It's so familiar to me. You'll remember the big garden on the left as you cross the main road to go into the forest. I guess you're half an hour, 45 minutes, maybe even an hour before you arrive in O Pedroso. It's one of the busiest bars and cafes on the Camino. Well, I was really surprised to see that it was virtually empty. And that was one of the great surprises of this Camino for me. Although it was very, very busy, pilgrims everywhere on the Camino, the bars and restaurants and town squares were very quiet. For instance, down by the ruins in Leon, where in years past there were tables and tables of pilgrims waving to you, join us, Dan! Well, I was the only pilgrim there. And it wasn't until I was in Santiago speaking with Gonzalo, a friend of all of ours, who owns Conga 7 Bar just off the square in Santiago, he told me Europe is preparing for a fiscal squeeze this winter and no one is spending money. Pilgrims are instead buying their bread, cheese and jamón at the supermercado. They're saving money. They face a very long, cold and expensive winter ahead with gas and fuel prices expected to skyrocket due to the conflict in Ukraine. Well, it was played out in stark reality for me on the Camino. 
I could see that the cafes and bars that I used to see full to the brim with pilgrims were empty. So from Opadrezzo to Santiago de Compostela, and our journey was coming to an end. We had the only rain we experienced on the entire walk just after we passed the airport. Even then, it was just the slightest mist. We had a light breakfast at Porta de Santiago, about 12 kilometers from Santiago, and we arrived late morning, deciding not to go to the Pilgrim's Mass until the following day. But oh, what a joy to arrive once again in this beautiful city. It was again the sound of the piper, the hundreds of pilgrims and tourists milling around the square. moment we walked into the square was actually quite surreal. There was a big protest march going on, banging drums and people chanting. And then in the melee I heard the voice of an Australian friend. Can you believe it? Garth Ed Lee. You wouldn't read about it. It was so lovely to see him and Claire and we broke bread the following day and the day after. And we stayed in an Airbnb just off the square, and it was heavenly. Absolutely fantastic. So let's bring in my wife, Jennifer. Welcome, Pilgrim. What did you think as you entered the square? Well, as you know, Dan, um, what happened on the day when we reached the square, I have a bad hip. Prior to leaving Sydney, I had MRIs. Um, I got orthotics in my shoes. I bought amazing walking shoes, never had a blister in 200 kilometres. But I had a formula for walking, which Claudette gave to me. And it was um, walk for two hours, rest, and take your shoes off, and then start walking again, which over 200 kilometres, my hip was fine. I never had any problems. On the last day... We were trying very hard to get to Santiago for the Pilgrim's Mass. So we didn't do my normal routine. And five kilometres out, which we all thought wasn't far to go, my hip went. So for the last um, five kilometres, I was in a lot of pain. So when we reached the square, I was just elated that The pain would hopefully stop because normally I just lie down for two hours and the pain goes away. So, yes, once I'd made it, it was incredible. The uh, bagpipes and just that atmosphere in the square, it was uh, very exciting. But luckily, we decided to stay for two days in Santiago, which was amazing. And I think I got to enjoy the square and the cathedral We did all the tours, walked around everywhere, stayed in an amazing um, apartment in Tofino, right on the square. Um, So, yeah, that, I think the next two days was um, what made it amazing. You'd been hearing me talk about the Camino for years. So what did you think? Yes, I have been hearing about the Camino for many, many years. 
always wanted to do it. Um, my children obviously were too young to leave them for that amount of time and probably too a bit too young to do the walk. So I think we did it at the right time. Them being 19 and 20 was a very good age. I consider myself to be quite a spiritual person. I meditate, I do yoga. I'm often in stillness with myself and I'm always trying to make my children and Dan understand that, that that's the only way to find your true self. And I think that's why people on the Camino, it's probably the first time in their life where they actually don't have a million things to do. All they have to do is walk and that gives their mind space to think and feel. That's what I was expecting the Camino to be like and it was like that for me. But like I said, I've, I obviously do those practices most days in my normal busy crazy life I work five days a week so I am a busy mum yeah so I thought the Camino was everything I thought it was going to be and more because of the location the countryside it was beautiful it was challenging it wasn't easy I thought it was going to be a lot easier. There were times when I was, am I going, like, questioning myself, am I going to make it today? But it was just one step in front of the other uh, and keep going. It was, um, it was a great experience. I mean, it was completely magical doing it with my children and my husband. We didn't always walk together. Often they were miles and miles ahead of me. I just did it at my own pace. Uh, and that's why I invited our friend Claudette to come along because I was worried that I would often be by myself. I shouldn't have worried because that was when it was the most enjoyable spiritually. So tell me, Jen, would you go back again? 100% already planning the next one. I think I'd like to do a coastal walk. Same, same, pla like, you know, Spain, around there. Um, yeah, and just see that part of Spain. I, I would l love walking. Uh, it's very much motivated me to keep doing that. And yes, 100% would do it again. So what did you find challenging? Definitely the walking. Before I left, I would probably walking around seven kilometres a day. So to up that to 20, 25 kilometres was very challenging. But I did it, which I was really surprised about. Other than that, I mean, obviously the mental motivation to keep going was challenging. But I definitely... Um, put a lot of effort into that before I left to ensure that I knew I was going to have those days where I probably wanted to give up. But but during a lot of meditating that I did before leaving, I did concentrate on that part of my mind to make sure when those thoughts came into my mind to keep going, to change my thinking pattern. 
which is probably the challenge of the Camino, just to keep going. And it is just a switch in the mind because your body can definitely do it. It is a more of a mental challenge. And what did you like most about the Camino? That would be um, the physical challenge of it. Um, the scenery was incredible. The food was wonderful. We mixed up our accommodation. We stayed in alberghese sometimes and we stayed in incredible apartments. So I think that was a um, really good way to do it. Uh, I did like a lot of research before I left on places to stay. And we got some very quirky places we stayed at. Um, but the towns themselves, they were just beautiful. Just getting to the town, spending the afternoon, walking around, eating great food. Um, and I love walking, so yeah, that's definitely a plus. Or that's, that's the best thing about it. Thanks for giving me the chance to share our story. Buen Camino. Buen Camino, Daniel. I ended up doing a gig in Santiago de Compostela in a little bar in the old town. There were pilgrims there from all around the world. I even had time for lunch with Johnny Walker Santiago. Now that will stay with me as a lunch to remember, a lunch for the ages. We were lucky enough to see the Bota Fumiro swing at the Pilgrim's Mass, and it was a really touching moment, actually. We didn't manage to get a chair to sit, but we were standing. My sons were standing either side of me, and as... We saw the attendants walk up to pick up the rope to swing the boats for Miro. Both boys realized what was happening and I had never seen it before. I'd never seen the boat for Miro swing. So here was this wonderful moment in my life and in my Camino journey, obviously with all of you, you'd assume that Dan has seen the boat for Miro swing. Well, I hadn't. And here it was about to be swung and both boys just reached across very gently and rested their hand on mine. They knew how special it was. And as it began to swing, I cried. And having my family there with me was just so wonderful. Santiago was wonderful. We danced in the streets. We had a short but very powerfully meaningful journey together. El Camino. I don't do this enough, but thank you for being there. Thank you for taking the time to listen wherever you are around the world. It means the world to me. You know, I don't say this very often, but we are getting download figures through the roof. So thank you. I'm reminded of the generosity of pilgrims. I'm reminded of my friend Artura, who bought my lunch in Puente Lorena one day. Puente Lorena translates as the Bridge of the Queen. As we walked down through the Rua Mayor that August day in 2017, Artura explained to me the history of the bridge. It had been built in the 11th century by a local queen. Atura said pilgrims must pause at the bridge to hear the stories of the centuries of pilgrims before them. He told me the, the legend of the sori, a Basque word for a small bird, T-X-O-R-I. At one end of the bridge, there is a small tower. The legend goes there were once three towers, and in one of those towers was a picture of St. Mary, the Virgin del Puy. The little bird used to tend to the image of St. Mary. It would look after the picture, grooming it, removing cobwebs with its wings and washing its face with water from the river Arga below. The legend goes that whenever the story appeared, the town's bells were rung and people would dance in the street. Imagine what it was like back when the birds would visit. I was so mesmerised by Artura's story 
And I wondered how a boy from Toowoomba in country Queensland and Australia could be lucky enough to live this life, this pilgrim journey, this incredible gift of love, of life. And here we are, 300 interviews and musings. When I think about the love afforded to me in my life, I think of my parents. Love wasn't something they necessarily thought of. I'm sure deep down they told each other they loved each other and probably knew their concern and nurture was a form of love. But love was never part of our lives in terms of people expressing love. I keep going back, and it's become a common theme in my latest podcasts, to Christ's message. Love. The Gospel of Matthew quotes Jesus, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. It's certainly easier said than done. 300 episodes and a Camino of my own to celebrate. Well, perhaps not of my own, of my family's and of Claudette's, and it was such a blessing to walk beside her. Thank you for your love and support over the last six years. Walking the Camino again remind me of why I love it so much. The views, the history, the stories, the experiences, the chance encounters, the little miracles, the friends, the memories, and the fact that millions have walked the same paths, have experienced the same majesty. Just a simple blessing, walking in the footsteps of others with a common goal, to be our best selves, to be pilgrims, on the Camino and in life. To all of you on this 300th episode, I hope you find what you're looking for somewhere along the way. Buen Camino. Somewhere